Hi, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. I have a sort of returning guest this time around. I'm talking with comics creator Bob Hall, who was kind enough to appear on another podcast that I help with, and that is the Comic Obsessive. So um, thank you, Bob, for jumping in and talking with me on this space as well. Oh, great. Well, I'm always glad to be a sort of kind of guest. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you're returning, but just a conversation with me. It's it's right, right. two shows, yeah. so you, gotcha. you are full-on guest, though. You are absolutely 100% uh, guest, by all means. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, so, by means of a, a first question, I know we talked a lot before about sort of your background and um, pathway into comics, but also curious about what comics allow you to do and in, in the stories that you want to tell. Um, boy, that's hard to say because they, they varied from project to project. Um, I think uh, visually um, it's always a mystery as to why you're doing what you're doing. I, mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've never had any luck. I do some painting as well, and I've never had a luck, uh, any luck making those statements that artists are, artists are supposed to make. I think they're always more limiting than they are expanding. Because mm -hmm. uh, you should be able to, you know, come and take a look and see what you think. Um, and, of course, it's, you know, stuff that I particularly like to do inclines. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, various people I like to draw uh that's just fun uh <laughs> we got into writing i think it was uh, a chance to dip into your own life and even in, even in the drawing too um and and work from your experience um and that uh that's something that comes after i think after you get started some people get to it faster than others i think i was kind of slow about it but most of us start by imitating artists we admire and writers with fire and then eventually if you keep on with it you want to uh, you find that you want to work in uh, your experiences uh, people you know um, that's perhaps that's easier if you're not doing Captain America but even even then I think who have you met who's feels that heroic or <laughs> uh, or, or has that potential um, and if you if you work that way with uh, you you begin to add a little bit more depth I think to these characters if you're coming from real life as opposed to just absolutely um, imitating the uh, things that have gone before. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, that's the most difficult with trademarked characters because they're they have a certain limitation. But still, I think you'll find that 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 certain writers bring something new, something fresh to them. And it's not necessarily let's 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 freshen it up by we'll, we'll kill Captain America. It's mm -hmm. just ways of speaking, ways of acting, um, uh, minutia, and and we're we're good at collecting minutia in our subconscious. So you can allow your subconscious to get on the page a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that answer. I love um, the thoughtful way you approach the medium and i will also say you might be the first person who's answered that question with the word fun that that is fun for you to explore as well um so i love that uh, i when i when i was you know i 
my mentor with John Buscema in uh, uh, in in that class that he taught, and, and I, I mean, he used to say, "Hey, if it is, if it, if you're not having fun doing it, why do it?" Mm-hmm, and I, mm-hmm. I think that's really important. If you're if you're not enjoying it, do something else. Yeah, yeah, that is quite a mentor to have as well. I'm sure. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so when you were on the comic obsessive, we talked a little bit about West Coast Avengers and we talked about Shadow Man. And I believe I also expressed my love for iJoker. Uh, curious if there are other titles from your your list, from your uh, bibliography, your Vita, whatever you want to call it, um, that are really mile markers for you, uh, as well as collaborations that have been positive along the way. Well, as far as collaborations are concerned, I think uh, we we talked about West Coast Adventures and my and my work with Roger Stern, who I really admired, and and he was a pleasure to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Matlow uh, and I started about the same time, and uh, Bill, I think, just knew more about comics than I did, and was very helpful to me to get started. And I've always been grateful to him. Uh, Dave McAlini. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, was grand to work with on Emperor Doom, the uh, Marvel graphic novel size, meaning extra thick comic uh, mm-hmm. uh, book. But but that was a pleasure. Um, as far as other titles, um, my the my favorite thing that I've ever done, and unfortunately I don't think enough people saw it, was something called Armed and Dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a follow up to Shadow Man at. Um, uh, Valiant Slasher Claim, and uh, it, it was my one of one of my first chances to do something other than 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 superheroes um, in 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 the writing capacity, and uh, it was set in on the west side of New York uh, around the Hell's Hell's Kitchen area, mm-hmm. and that was an area I knew pretty well. Uh, I've done a lot of theater, and that's the the theater and Hell's Kitchen sort of are back to back. And so, um, and, and a lot of small theaters existed within that Hell's Kitchen area. And uh, so I, I just knew a lot of characters from around there. And it was a, a, a great chance to do what I just said, work in uh, actual experiences into the comic. And I don't mean that it was autobiographical. I mean that, oh, when I first moved to New York, I, I was living on West 81st Street. And uh, after living there a couple of weeks, I saw an article in the New York Post that a severed head had been found in a dryer oh. in a hunter pad that was only about, oh, two or three blocks away. And so I kept reading the New York Post, which wasn't my favorite paper, but I started buying it because just I wanted to see what what how that story played out mm-hmm. and it did that was the only 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 article i ever saw about it wow and so the uh, the first issue of armed and dangerous explained how that head got in the in the dryer mm-hmm. and there were a lot of of little things like like that and and some bigger things i there was one issue where i i delved into my junior high years when I was a fat kid and uh, was really bullied by the by the gym teacher. I really hated the guy. So mm-hmm. I, I finally had, in, in Armed and Dangerous, I finally had the West Side Mob 
blow up his BMW. Uh, <laughs> it, it, and, and I did use a different name and stuff, but it was very cathartic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, I, I really recommend that people can find it, that reading it, it it's, I, I got a lot of good feedback for it. But what happened was that it, it, uh, um, it was a, the first four part, um, there was a four part arc and then one in the middle. Uh, that was a special issue. And then another four part arc and they went together and it was all supposed to eventually be um, published as one long story. Mm -hmm. But it, of course, Valiant Acclaim went out of business. And so the um, uh, numbers of uh, the print runs on the on the, that second arc just got smaller and smaller and smaller as Valiant got more and more and more broke. And uh, so it it uh, that never happened. I, I'm uh, still trying to figure out as Valiant goes through its various uh, iterations uh, how I could uh, repossess that. Uh, you know, I was wondering if I could buy it from them or lease it from them. And I've talked to a few people and haven't gotten any feedback yet. But that's just recent. So, because uh, I'd love to just be able to um, uh, get it get it out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these days of um, sort of non print media, I'm not sure about um, paper editions, but you can actually find Armed and Dangerous on uh, Comicsology, Amazon. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe a couple of them. If you have a Comicsology subscription, you can actually get access to pretty immediately and uh as somebody that's looked across the range of what you've done you're absolutely right when you when you look at the even the covers of the books that you've done you see armed and dangerous and you go well that's new <laughs> that's something different in a different direction so yep. uh definitely a, an interesting step and well worth checking out yeah. uh, also curious i was going to ask you about some of those processes of adapting. I like to ask folks about uh, the work they do in adapting <clears throat> sometimes film to comics or vice versa. So I know that you had the chance to work on a couple of those, um, Dark Man being one of them and Willow being another. So curious about um, what that experience was like. Was it a, a memorable experience, a positive one? In, in some ways it was, well, they were both positive experiences. Uh, Dark Man, probably more so. Mm -hmm. uh, Willow, I enjoyed doing, but um, the Lucas people were very tight about giving you photo reference. Mm -hmm. They they brought uh, Bob Adiansky was the editor, and he and I went out and, and and got a chance to go to Skywalker Ranch, which was fun, and watch a rough cut. And I think they felt from watching the rough cut that we ought to be able to know what the what the characters looked like. And and of course, it's going by so fast that you say, no, yeah, you got to send us photographs. So they sent photographs, but very begrudgingly. Uh -huh. and, and I think at that time now, of course, they would be loading us with material and there would be tons of information, you know, before. By the time we got around to doing it, there would already have been a preview up on YouTube mm -hmm. uh, of it and stuff that 
but that wasn't the case then. They were they were very worried about giving it away or uh, having uh, uh, I don't I don't know what having having somebody steal the imagery in some way. So I, I never felt that certain characters quite Val Kilmer especially. I never got a great shot of Val Kilmer, yeah. Mm. And at that time, that was his first, may have, one of his first movies. And and so um, uh, looking back, I kind of like, well, I don't know if that looks like Val Kilmer or not. The, the, guy, the guy playing Willow, what's his name? You probably know his name, and I can't think of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warwick, Warwick Davis. Warwick Davis, yes. I, I'm always, I always blank on it. Uh, I got a thrill of, of meeting him in, in one of the green rooms for one of the cons. And I don't approach people in green rooms, the celebs. I think that's that way lies madness. Uh-huh. But in his, in his case, I went up and said, hi, I want to introduce myself. I did adapted the comic and he was most gracious and very friendly. And we chatted for a bit. And and then uh, I was very pleased when I was back at my desk. He sent one of his one of the handlers to uh, they, they out to find copies of that book. And they uh, I'm going to just a minute. Somebody sure. is trying to call me and I hadn't turned my phone on. Um, no worries. <laughs> and uh, uh, they found copies, and, and he he wanted me to autograph them for him. And I and I and, and I sort of geeked out and, and thought, you know, I, I I felt like a fanboy and saying, "Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah." He really mm-hmm. liked. Um, so that that was that was the problematic part was was that and that uh, we never saw the special effects in the rough cut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, it wasn't the time of green screens exactly, so you weren't just seeing these people standing in front of a, a, a green background. But none of none of the special effects had happened yet, mm. and the uh, so we were we guessed at them, and a couple of them turned out well. There was one sort of underwater one that they actually cut from the movie that we managed to get. It was one of the better ones that did. So we managed to get them to let us keep it in the book. <laughs> Uh, but the the last issue was had a couple of a couple of problems. One was Mary Jo Duffy, who I adore working with, and I adore her. But she managed to write two twenty five page twenty fives. Mm-hmm. So, and I didn't notice this until I got there. For some reason, I didn't notice that there was next to one, and and went to Badayansky and said, what am I going to do about this? Can we add another page? And he said, no, we really can't. You'll just have to compress everything, everything oh, at wow. the end into. So I was, I was doing like, you know, uh, seven to nine pages of uh, panels a page all of a sudden at the end, which exactly at the point where you didn't want to be doing that. And uh, uh, also, and at the end of it, there's a dragon. And so I said, what, I wonder what the dragon looks like. And we called the Lucas people. And they said, it looks like a dragon. And I said, a lot of different dragons. And what, what kind of it look like? And they said, well, you know, like, 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 a, like, a, like a, it's probably green. And it would look like a dragon. And I said, well, like, kind of like the dragon in, in um, Sleeping Beauty, the, the, the Disney movie. And they said, yeah, yeah, it'd be like that. Except they have two heads. Well, of course, it looks nothing like that. And they had to, I had to, we had to get the, get the page back and redraw it when they finally 
had figured out what it, they didn't know what it looked like yet. And when mm -hmm. they finally saw it, rather than that kind of a dragon, it, it looked like a double headed two penises with teeth. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the only thing I can describe it as. And uh, so we had to redraw that. So that one was was more difficult. Uh, uh, Dark Man was a joy. Uh, we had plenty of reference and. Uh, uh, and it was Sam Raimi, so it was a kind of eccentric, and that was fun, mm -hmm. and that was just fun to do. That that one that one was good. And then then there's a third one, that was the weirdest one of of the adaptations that I did, which was the nineteen I think it was eighty eight or eighty nine, Captain America movie, with oh, yeah. J D. Dunn. And I don't think it ever even got released. I think it went straight to, I don't even know if it went straight to video. I don't know if you know if you can buy a copy mm -hmm. of this thing. Uh, but I signed on to it because Stan was going to do the adaptation and write it. And I thought, wow, I get a chance to work with Stan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, then Stan read the script and said, I can't do this. <laughs> I'll dialogue, but somebody else has to adapt this. This is just too awful. And so I did the adaptation uh, as far as the, the scenario was concerned, but it was really, it was really terrible. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm almost, I'm almost kind of glad I did it because it's, it's probably, you know, right, right. It's right. It's right. Probably should be right. At least the top 20 bad movies made. And, and there's something there's something to be said for having done that. And then and I got kind of to work with Stan because he wrote the dialogue, but that meant we never quite interacted uh, on it. We just he just got it and did it. Wow! Wow! What what a process to go through. And um, yeah, I I remember that movie. That was maybe the first Marvel movie that existed for me that was live action. That may very well be. Uh, I mean, there was the TV shows, of course, but this was a movie. <laughs> There was also the uh, Fantastic Four one that Roger Corman made, I think, to produce some, to keep some sort of contractual arrangement going or something. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's Roger Corman. So it's not as it's, it's it, in its way, it's a terrible movie, but it's not, it's more fun than the Captain America movie. Because uh, Corman can't, just couldn't quite do something that wasn't at least kind of fun in a in a low rent way mm -hmm. i i remember seeing stills from that one but i never saw the the actual film i'm sure it's out there somewhere probably have, on youtube or something like I, that I have, I have a pirate copy of it oh nice nice yeah yeah I, I going back to what you were saying about trying to draw people on model um with reference i remember talking with i think it was gordon purcell about trying to draw Star Trek characters and not having reference, but you know he had a television so he could sort of like sit close and watch. But with Willow, that that had to be a lot of creative innovation and improv on your part. Yeah, for the most part, they they I, I, for some reason I had good reference on Warwick Davis, mm -hmm. uh, uh, maybe just because. He was the title character, or I, I don't know why, but they, I, I managed to get what I needed, which was, of course, what you want is kind of a make sheet. You'd like to have um, people, people will send you as reference a headshot, you know, like a typical resume headshot from the front. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but like if I were to draw you, I could probably pretty well match you in this particular pose. Mm-hmm. But when I had to turn you for the side, it might not look like you at all. And that mm-hmm. was the problem with, uh, with doing Val Kilmer is I had no reference on him looking any way but at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, which, which is useful if the characters are cut out, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not yeah. as someone with poses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, before we get to the final question, I'll also mention one more time my love for I Joker, as well as oh. um, we talked briefly about Moon Knight the first time we talked as well. So, uh, just wanted to to share love for both of those characters and your work on them as well. Yeah, I think, uh, speaking of Joker, the other project that I think was, uh, uh, I did two more Batman prestige series things, and one is called, uh, it's Joker Time. Mm-hmm. I, I, oh, no, I Joker. It's called, yeah, it's called it's Joker Time, which was a three-part thing of, where the Joker took over a, uh, eventually ended up taking over a reality TV show. And... Uh, I thought of it at that time as my version of network, but I'm confident. I mean, obviously DC owns it and I'm confident that the people, people who did the Joker movie, somebody in there must've seen Mm. it's Joker time because there were certain it's Joker time. I managed to go off in the ether, but, but it was uh, that all all of that TV stuff. It was kind of reminiscent of what we did with that one. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's funny how those things trickle down. Yeah. And, and yeah. Reappear. yeah. So you mentioned earlier that uh, you're painting, I think. Mm-hmm. And so curious about creative directions that you're currently interested in. Um, some folks that I have on are still working in comics regularly. Some folks I think Bob McLeod is also a painter. I believe he mentioned that when he talked with me. Um, so curious about what's capturing your, your muse at the moment. Well, when I paint, not always, but I usually do abstract paintings. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when I, at one point I said, why do I want to do those? And I realized, I started painting in the in the 1980s, and when I was really working for Marvel a lot, and I thought it was the opposite of working for Marvel. It was it was you know doing comics, especially if you're doing something like uh, Squadron Supreme, mm-hmm. which just had kept adding more and more and more characters. It was like th- those that old saw about people who used to engrave the Lord's Prayer on the heads of pins. You know, it's that that kind of work. And so I, I wanted to get, to p- do paintings where I could go in with a, a, a number four brush and just start moving paint around. And so that was fun. I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm working on, and we'll see what happens. I'm w- trying to work on two different writing projects. One would be uh, a comic series and one would be a play. Hmm. And if I get and the play, uh, uh, I think you'll like the play. It's it's the one that's coming along the best, and it's uh, uh, has to it has to it's set in the 1950s in a in a comic book studio during that time when um, uh, the Kefauver hearings were were going on, and EC was going out of business because they were uh, all of this folderol about how comics were. Um, 
causing juvenile delinquency and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's etc i got i wish they could see them now uh but, <laughs> True. Uh, but uh, uh I, I thought that was a a great concept a great, a great place to set a play so and again trying to work with stuff you know something tough for you 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 can uh, bring to bring to study bring in because you've you've experienced it a little bit not mm-hmm. that i was then doing comics but uh but i distinctly remember it i remember ec going out of business i didn't quite understand as a kid but i remember that that transition period and and i remember my mother tearing up a bunch of my comics because she uh believed i was going to turn into a juvenile delinquent mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah the the seduction of the innocent period and, and yeah that's folks. right yeah. Now, well, I'll be interested to see how that comes to be. And uh, seems like a scenario that lends itself very well to dramatic encounters as well. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, what I'm having fun with is it's it, the, the contrast between an old, it, it opens with an old hack and, and a young person has just gotten into comics. And of course, the old hack is one of those people never wanted to be in comics, wanted mm-hmm. to be. A, and the, the kid who wanted nothing but to be in comics. And I think that's also something that uh, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, looking forward to that. Looking forward to the work to come. Did we miss anything in the talk through that you want to make sure to share before we close out? Well, check me out on Facebook. I keep posting all the, the comic cons I'm doing. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't go to my website it's being redone <laughs> okay facebook uh, it is nothing, nothing current on there well you can go to the website it's it's boball.com but but and it's pretty but it's 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 not current gotcha gotcha yeah are, are there go-to cons for you that you know you'll be appearing at in the next few months uh this week i go to grand rapids mm-hmm uh after that i go to the rocky mountain comic con in aurora and then i do um uh columbus in december and albuquerque in january and after that i don't remember we're just starting to book them so wonderful you you are a busy man doing all the things uh, I appreciate you taking some time to talk with me. I think you were just at New York. I think we were planning our talk right after New York. So yeah. um, New York was New York was great fun. Uh, I didn't see any of my friends because I got a cold right away. Uh, I, I I texted I tested negative, but it turned out to be a false negative because by the time I got back, I checked again and I had COVID. Oh goodness! goodness. But the, the number of people who came back from the con. And in my defense, people I never was near mm-hmm. <laughs> were uh, in their defense. I don't know where we're, we're all collecting it, but a lot of people have, re- have reported in that they that they got it this time. But I think yeah. most of them were vaccinated up the wazoo, so it wasn't too serious. Yeah, yeah. Well, sending care to those folks. And I started out my school year as a teacher with COVID this year, so it is definitely... Uh, making the waves in the rounds for sure. Right. Well, sorry to hear that. Um, but a pleasure to be on your interview show again. I like you. I, you do go good questions. Well, thank you. I try. I try. I appreciate that. And uh, I appreciate your work and appreciate your time. And 
glad that you are uh, doing well and glad to talk again sometime in the future. Please.